My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Hello, hello, and welcome to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com, and today we are doing a spoiler-free, no spoilers. We aren't talking about the plot or the details or the reveals or any of that stuff. We'll just be talking about the merits of the film, thematically, etc., etc., of the Batman. Now, if you've tuned into this show before, you know I am a huge Batman fan. This is a character who has virtually defined my life. Uh, I was born in the year 1993, March of 93, which was six months after Batman the Animated Series was released. And it was sort of in the midst of when Hollywood truly wrapped their head around what kind of uh, financial powerhouse the Batman character could be, particularly following the 1989 film, which virtually reinvented modern superhero filmmaking you know like other than i'd say maybe thomas the tank engine uh batman was the first thing interest hobby passion whatever that i could truly remember caring about that i truly remember investing in and it was through that early passion for batman and then therefore pop culture that i decided to pursue a career in it which effectively has led me to you right now and that's special to me you know to be able to track the arc of my life to such an extent that I remember sort of where the story started and how it's led me to this point. That's special. So yeah, I mean, it goes without saying that I was looking forward to this film. Uh, Warner Bros. latest reboot of the iconic Gotham City Vigilante, which was directed by Matt Reeves, who we know from Cloverfield and two of the modern Planet of the Apes films and starring Robert Pattinson as the Batman. Now, Leading up to this film, from the talent involved, to the -the behind-the-scenes photos, to the trailers, everything about this felt no perfect, particularly when it came to its understanding of what Batman truly is and what one of his movies should look like, and ultimately that is what the Batman accomplished. It is a utter triumph, both in terms of superhero storytelling and as an old-school detective noir. Now, before we dive in, I just want to address the Christopher Nolan and Dark Knight purists out there, of which I am and will always be. The Dark Knight may be a better quote-unquote movie in terms of pacing and three-act structure and blah, 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 but it's not a better Batman experience. And I say that because at the end of the day, The Dark Knight isn't a Batman movie. It's a Joker movie. You know, if you think about when you used to watch it or when you still watch it, Heath Ledger's portrayal of Joker is the aspect of the film that you look forward to most. It's his scenes that you look forward to. It's his words that you hang on, not Christian Bale's Batman. And when you aren't even the best part of your own movie, I'm not sure that you could truly claim its legacy as your own. So to that point, this is where the Batman comes in. If nothing else, its greatest strength is its portrayal of Batman, who is by far a more troubled version than we've ever seen on the big screen. His introduction is metaphorically and literally electrifying, bordering on truly terrifying, and that aura never relents from there. Never has the bat symbol illuminating the perpetually gray skies of Gotham been more fear-inducing. Never has the devastation that the Batman inflicts on his enemies felt more visceral. Never have the consequences of the Cape Crusader's actions felt more meaningful. Speaking of Gotham and terror, Welcome to Gotham City, Hell on Earth. Matt Reeves' approach to creating the infamously seedy city by combining the gothic architecture of the likes of Liverpool and Glasgow and layering it with CGI that gives it a sort of Times Square modernity makes Gotham feel both old and new, dead and alive, past and present all at once. And furthermore, through a combination of 
cinematography and sound design and costuming, etc. DC's most troubled town has never felt more atmospheric, more lived in, more real. In fact, one of the many many similarities that this film shares with David Fincher's Seven is that it's always fucking raining, uh, which just adds to the sort of unrelenting brutality of this town and frankly just feels like Mother Nature adding insult to injury. Elevating that sense of atmosphere as if you've been sucked into a living, breathing world is the simply immaculate cast, which features standout performances from its entire call sheet. From Pattinson as Batman to John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. Every choice made by Reeves and his casting team paid off sublimely. Now, while Paul Dano's deeply deranged version of Riddler and Colin Farrell's swarmy penguin will likely receive their deserved plaudits, I actually felt that the true standouts of the film were Zoe Kravitz's Selena Kyle and Jeffrey Wright's James Gordon, who bring crucial elements to this film that would otherwise drown in its own harshness and brutality. You know, the dynamic and the relationship between Kravitz's Catwoman and Pattinson's Batman is inarguably one of, if not the film's highlight. It is simply electric. And the way that they were able to convey a growing flirtation and romance between these two masked, if not troubled people, is a feat in and of itself. But more importantly than the romantic side of it, both Wright's Gordon and Kravitz's Catwoman share a chemistry with Pattinson's Batman that's key in helping us and them draw the line between monster and human. Without them, there's really no telling how deep into darkness this cape crusader would wade. You know, these two are certainly more so than Alfred, who he seems to blow off at every turn. They are his last remaining tethers to humanity, and that factor both grounds the character's arc while also serving to advance his internal growth. Now, that said, I'm not all praised. To try and prove my objectivity, one of my few criticisms of the film is actually Pattinson's Bruce Wayne, who simply does not seem capable of remote human connection at the start of the film. And when I say criticism, I don't necessarily have a personal problem with it because I know what they're going for. More so, I'm predicting what the casual viewer might think about this particular aspect of the film. You know, remember, this is a character who, whether he's pretending or not, has the capability of being a playboy, of being a charismatic socialite. So this version of Bruce Wayne lacks that entirely. Now that said, by the end of the film, it could be argued that the desperately dark place that this version of Bruce Wayne finds himself in could actually be an intentional thematic choice as it gives him further room to grow as the franchise and story marches forward. Remember, this is a year two story. This is a Bruce Wayne who's still figuring out not only how to be Batman, but how to be himself, you know, this is a character who's famously, the cliche about him is that his mask is not his Batman mask, but his face of Bruce Wayne is his mask, that his true self is Batman. So, for as distant and as cold as he may be when the film begins, by the time the credits roll, the road to becoming the more wholly rounded version of the character that most fans know and love has clearly been paved. You know, this is a film that not only succeeds in telling an epic, it's still contained and grounded story, but also setting up its future going forward. One of my favorite lines from the film, which happens in the first 10 minutes or so, so I'm not giving anything away, but I want to mention it because I think it's a perfect summation of what this film does well. Batman says, they think I'm hiding in the shadows, but I am the shadows. And that 
ultimately is a microcosm of this film as a whole. Its greatest asset is its understanding of who and what Batman is. And the result is a Batman story that's so fully realized and so wholly engrossing that it's unlike anything that we've seen before, whether that be big screen, small screen, animated, whatever. If you've ever wanted Batman to feel like he actually exists, to feel like he's alive, this is the movie that will do it for you. So while The Dark Knight may be the best movie that just so happens to feature Batman, The Batman is without a doubt the greatest Batman movie ever made. And the distinction between the two is that, as I said before, I think The Dark Knight is technically a Joker movie. If you remove Heath Ledger's performance from that film, it's an entirely different product. You're not holding your breath for the moments of Batman action, which are arguably the weakest part of Nolan's franchise. This Batman story is like you've been transported to Gotham City and are watching a actual Batman go through his life. And as a fan of the character, that's truly all I've ever wanted. Now, this will not be our last Batman podcast of the week as we will be joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, and my old co-host, Brandon Katz of Morning Brew, to do a deep dive, probably hour and a half long discussion about this film. That'll be dropping on Friday, March 4th, when the movie technically hits theaters. So make sure to check back for that then. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the film as much as I did. I left the theater feeling absolutely euphoric, and I cannot wait to see where it goes from here. All right, y'all. Other than that, we'll talk to you Friday. Peace. I'm going to make him an offer, guys. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. <laughs> 